coaches of the world, welcome back to the Coaches Rising podcast. That's what this is. This is podcast number 21 now. And well, first, before I dive in anymore, I wanted to say a big thank you, a big shout out to Stuart Davis, who is a very talented guy and was very generous to let us use his music at the start and at the end of this podcast. That's his music you can hear. It's a song called Beautiful Place from the album Music for Mortals. Stuart, we miss you in Amsterdam. And if you want to find out more about his work, his paintings, his music, you can head to stuartdavis.com. So this podcast, it's about a topic that's something that many coaches struggle with, how to build a thriving coaching practice. And we're going to be hearing from someone that I've personally learned a lot from, Steve Chandler. Steve is a prolific author. Uh, He's got some fantastic books out there. I recommend you check them out. And he's also got this knack for teaching coaches how to enroll clients, how to build a thriving coaching practice. When I first came across it, Steve's message was a huge relief to me as he was emphasizing serving clients instead of trying to sell coaching to them. And when I focused on this, on giving people a powerful experience of my coaching, it made enrollment so much easier. So that's what this podcast is about. And it's a bit different from our usual format because it's actually a live session uh, with Steve that we hosted a few years back. So you'll hear Steve interacting with coaches in the Coaches Rising community, which makes it really rich because they're going to be asking, I think, many of the questions that you might be thinking about, you might be wondering about when it comes to enrolling clients. Some of the key topics we talk about today. Where do we find clients? Um, Should we have a niche or not? Um, Do we need to get outside our comfort zone to grow? If you want to find more podcasts like this, you can find them at our website, coachesrising.com forward slash podcast. Let's dive in. Thank you to everyone who is tuned in and listening. I appreciate you giving me your time to listen. Coaching can be a very lonely profession. At least it was for me for a number of years. It, It helps so much to talk to other coaches and have colleagues and have coaches we interact with throughout the week and the month. And so I really appreciate a program like this so we can listen to other coaches and really interact ask them questions. I was, uh, I had such a struggle myself as a coach when I started. And my biggest struggle was over the the whole money issue, the whole prosperity issue and asking for money and selling my services, um, knowing what fees to set, coming to terms with the relationship between myself and money. and So many coaches I've worked with over the years have had this same issue in various forms. And um, it caused me to start a school and a program called the Coaching Prosperity School. And I started that back in 2007. And it, it wasn't set up to 
to teach people how to coach. It was set up to teach people who already knew how to coach how to make money coaching. Because turned out, at least for me and a few of the coaches I knew earlier, it, it, it was really important that the money be made and that prosperity be there. So that I was able to focus on clients and really helping them, and I wasn't always struggling and scrambling and fretting over money. It was so important to me to have prosperity be a reality. It gave me so much more freedom to focus on my clients and my creativity, my career, my life. Everything opened up when I took the subject on and made it something that I just chose to master. It was really a turning point for me when I was working with my coach to I had money and making making a living at coaching. I had it as the hard part. In my mind, it was the really difficult part of this profession. And I imagined it always would be. This is always going to be the hard part. And I, I had hoped that maybe it wouldn't be so hard and wouldn't give me such nervous breakdowns and psychological struggle that I would finally be able to cope with it and deal with it so it wouldn't be so bad. But somewhere along the line, it hit me. This is never going to work until I make this something I love to do, that I make this enrollment process, this sales process of bringing clients into my world and creating a very good income for myself, until I made that something that was really fun to do, that I looked forward to doing, that I felt some ongoing mastery of, it would never be anything but a big problem. And my whole coaching career would be kind of defined and characterized by this whole struggle thing, this whole, I'm confused, I can't figure it out, I can't make a good living at it. And that was a turning point for me. And I finally learned that any part of anyone's job that looks like the hard part of the job, with enough time and attention, and if you slow down enough, can actually be mastered and can actually turn out to be the fun part, the most fun part. Well, that was a revelation. That was a breakthrough for me. And um, and and I was so bad off as far as psychologically down in the dumps about money, no courage, no confidence, that if I could do it, anyone could do it. So I had a lot of confidence after I did this and turned it around and learned how to do it, that I could help other people who were struggling with this, and that's how that school started, and a lot of coaches who are well-known and famous now came through that school so they could learn the prosperity part. Um, two of which are on in this program, two of our graduates, Michael Neal and Rich Litvin, they were great in that school. And they saw the value. Uh, Rich and I even wrote a book about it called The Prosperous Coach. So 
First point I want to make is I think it's very important that a coach be prosperous, whatever that is for you, having more than enough money to live the life you want to lead. Because when you're in that position, your ability to help others and serve other people is really enhanced because you can give it your full attention. So somebody I was coaching today, I was able to give my full relaxed attention to. But let's say 20 years ago or 15 years ago, when I was struggling with money, I might have had half of my mind on, is she going to re-enroll with me? Um, Will she ever refer anybody to me? Um, What about these other potential clients I'm going to talk to after I talk to her? My mind wanders over to that. And I can't give her the kind of coaching session I really want to. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, a negative feedback loop that my not being prosperous leads to my not being as good a coach as I really could be, which then again leads to my not being prosperous. So over time I developed things I was able to teach coaches. These were things I learned. So we started that school back in 2007 for coaches. And it it was a big success and it continues today. And it turns out that these skills or practices are transferable, learnable, teachable, and coaches can learn to do this. And it's it's fun to work with coaches on this. It's not my full practice. Most of my clients are not coaches, but um, the part of my practice that includes this school is really fun for me because... I love to see coaches wake up to how easy it is, if, if you're willing to practice these ideas, how easy it is to get clients and have a prosperous practice. So today I just wanted to throw out three of the main ideas that when coaches switch over to these ideas, they start acquiring clients much faster. The first idea is to sell the experience of coaching, not the concept. So where most coaches go wrong is they're selling the concept of coaching to somebody. They're talking about the concept of features and benefits and what it can do for you and how I work and how many hours you get and what we do. See, these are all conceptual ideas. And then the prospect is trying to figure out these concepts, whether they're really true, whether this is really going to happen, or whether it's really going to help. And it's very hard for a coaching prospect to figure out whether or not to spend money with you. Because this coaching field is very hard to define. Every coach is so different that you don't really know what you're going to get. So if I hire a plumber 
to come fix something in the bathroom, I pretty much know what he's going to come do. And I know what plumbers charge, and so it's not a confusing transaction. Or a doctor or a dentist or most professions, but coaching is so wide open and so creative that nobody knows exactly what they're going to get. And that's why it's so hard for a person to make the decision to hire me or hire you based on concepts, based on what they read on a website or based on things like that. They have a hard time. And most coaches who try to sell conceptually, try to talk about what coaching is, they have people go away and um, not hire them. They want to think about it. They want to talk it over with their wife and they, their husband. They don't, they don't really have anything to base their decision on except faith or hope. Like, I hope this works. And then you hear stories of someone who hired a coach on faith and it didn't work out very well. And so now they really are gun shy about hiring you. Well, there's another way to do this that's different than that, that eliminates that factor of conceptual selling and an attempt by the client to make a conceptual purchase of coaching. And that is experiential. We call it selling by giving the experience. So I want my prospective client to have the experience of what it's like to work with me. So if you talk to me and we decide that coaching is on the table, it might be an option, it might be something you might be interested in, um, I will move right into helping you. And I will ask, if you wanted coaching, what would you do? What would you use it for? And you say, well, you know, I have a problem with this. And and I'd say, well, let's, let's talk about that problem. Let's see what it looks like for you. And then I would spend time with you, talking to you about your challenge or your opportunity or whatever it is you would think coaching might help you with. And we would move that along. We would dive right in. And out of that experience, if I give you enough experience of what it's like to work with me, your decision to work with me is now based on what you already know will happen, what you've already experienced. And that kind of approach to people, spending a day serving people instead of selling people, has your rate of people signing up with you increase like crazy. And it did it for me, it does it for the coaches who learn the system, learn various ways to do it. And it breaks through the old idea that you need to market yourself, you need to have a great resume, you need to make a big impression, you need to do all those things. You don't. All you need to do is give someone the experience of what it would be like to work with you. And that has them more likely to work with you than any other one thing. So that's the first point I wanted to make today. I'm going to make two others, and then 
open it up for questions. The second point is when I do talk to a prospect, a prospective client, I want to stay in the prospect's world because this sale or this enrollment is going to occur in the prospect's world. It's not going to occur in my world because that's where the decision is made. That's where all the important insights happen. It happens in his world, her world, not mine. But coaches make the mistake of focusing on themselves and thinking they need to make an impression and they need to look a certain way or sound a certain way so that the prospect is impressed by them and they think therefore this decision is going to be made based on me and my world and how my world looks to the prospect and whether I look like I'm a credible authentic coach and I've got enough experience and all of that and it leads to lots of activity on the part of the coach that really leads nowhere and in many cases intimidates the client prospective client it makes the client think oh well this guy thinks a lot of himself or this guy's coached all these important people or this guy's studied all these different psychology courses and done that and I don't know I'm just me I don't know if this could be overkill or whether this guy's gonna have any respect for me probably won't even like me probably thinks I'm a loser and so I don't think I'm a real this is really going to work out very well I'll probably let him down and that's one of the risks of having this conversation be about me it it can have a client actually be afraid to do the coaching thinking they're not up to it or they're not good enough or they don't know how to do it or they're going to let you down if they don't succeed. Now, if you turn that around and you stay in their world, stay curious about them and relate yourself to what's going on with them and so if they have a problem, you can talk about, yeah, I had a problem just like that. I know what that's like and, and you have some humility instead of trying to make an impression, the chances are the person will feel connected. The person will feel like, well, that person's easy to work with. I really like, I really feel he understands me. I really like being with him. I think I'll hire him. And that's a result of during this time when you meet a prospect and talk to the prospect, staying in the prospect's world, not in my world. All right, my third point, and I call it the samurai point, die before you go into battle. In other words, well, the samurai warriors, they used to have this meditation where they would actually die before they went into battle. And when in, in their mindset, when they were already dead, they could do the battle with a lot of freedom and agility and uh, flexibility that they wouldn't have if they were afraid of dying. The same is true 
when you're talking to a prospective client, if in your mind you're not trying to get this client as a client, you're not needy, you're not thinking, I really need this client, I really need this money, and instead you're your attitude is, um, I, I'm just interested in this person and finding out if I might be able to help this person right now. And you're not in that big quest, that client quest. Then what happens is that other person relaxes and you relax. And the possibility of a connection being made is really great. If I'm not attached to the outcome of my conversation with you, then the conversation can be much better and much more connective and much more exciting, much more playful, and the chances of getting this client go way up when I, ahead of time, don't care at all whether I get this person as a client, but only care if I can help them a little bit right now and if I can find out some way I might be able to help. So that's what I call dying before I go into battle. It's a realization. Um, yes, I may need money, and I may need clients to get money, but I don't need this client. There are 7 billion people in the world, and they all have lives and they all would like their life to be better than it is and happier, more fulfilling than it is right now. So I don't need this one person. I really don't. And realizing that, I've got a lot more freedom to really open up and hear that person. And so, again, all, all three of these points, when they're practiced, and integrated into how I relate with people and prospects, my client acquisition goes up. And this is my experience and the experience of the coaches I've worked with since we opened the Prosperity School. And it works quite well. So what I'd like to do now, Joel, if you'll, um, if you'll see if we have anyone on board who would like to ask a question I'd love to have questions and answers and talk to people mm, great sure so I want to invite people to press number one and the intention for tonight is to really uh, you know really kind of work from like the questions that you guys have Steve's got so much he can talk about but I really want to invite everybody listening to you know we're going to make this a really interactive call with lots of questions so um, just press number one on your handset and I will come to you. Um, let me see. So I'm going to bring uh, Melissa live. Hi, Miss Melissa. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello? Yeah, good. Um, Hi, Melissa. I love what you're saying. Hi, hello. How are you, Steve? I, I love what you've said. I listened to the intro call a few weeks back, too, which is part of the reason I signed up for the summit, frankly. It's a compliment to you and to Joel. Um, I thought your idea was just beautiful to be of service. Um, so what I wonder about is, well, so I want to be of service, but I'm still stuck with how do I get people to actually want to share a problem with me? You know, how do I find these people who are walking around needing my support and my help 
and actually invite them into this type of conversation? That's I'd like to know what that looks like for well, you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that question because that that's really a primary question that all coaches have, at, especially at the start of their practice. And, mm-hmm. you know, I right. used to have this. I, I used to go to my coach and I would say, I don't know who to talk to. And he would just kind of laugh and say, well, okay, so you have prospects everywhere. You have opportunities everywhere. You don't see them yet. But let's just start looking. And one of the exercises he had me do was he would have me bring the last 50 people who emailed me. He would say, bring, bring those emails in, print them out. I want to know the last 50 different people who emailed you. And, I, and the, you and I are going to go over who those people are. And we're going to find out if they might be someone you can help. And... Uh, it was amazing, um, those emails, I would read the email and tell them who it was. This person is the person who makes my CDs. The, re- the very first one we looked at was from a, a little tiny company who made um, CDs out of audios. And the email was from the owner, and he said, I'm sorry, we're having problems here. It's gonna, I'm going to be a couple of days late in delivering your CDs for you. And my email back was, you know, no worries, uh, I, I don't need them right away. And and so my coach said, okay, so let's look at this here. Now he's saying he's got this little business, he's got some problems, he can't deliver your CDs even though you're a nice customer of his. So um, this is a potential client, you just don't see it. And mm-hmm. so what I... I reached out to him and I said, sorry you have problems. Um, as you know, my work is, uh, is in helping people with problems and identifying opportunities. I'd be glad to spend some time with you to take a look at what's going on to see if I can be of assistance. And the guy said, yeah, wow, I'd be really grateful for that. So I drove over and sat down with him and his business partner and we spent a couple hours just looking at what was going on and problem they had hiring, and it was uh, one thing led to another, and he became a client of mine. So it, it's really keeping your eyes open and your ears open for um, who's out there and who can you talk to, and um, and and I've I've had people. Um, they, they, they've got communities that they're a part of, or if they don't, they can create community. They can, they can do things and join groups if they have to. I had, a, I had one client who was a coach, and he joined a business group, business meeting group of small businesses in town, and he got to know everyone in there. He gave everyone in there a $200 gift certificate to his coaching practice that they can use for themselves or anyone. Mm-hmm. And he had people come in and sit down with him and use their $200 with him and or send a family member in and use it. And then that, that one thing led to another, and he built his practice out of that. So there are so many ways to use your imagination to um, talk yeah. to people and to find out what's going on. Send a simple email to someone 
saying, what's going on in your world? How are you doing? I remember you from when we worked together. And then they talk, and then you talk, and um, one thing leads to another. So there, people are everywhere, I, um, and, and it's really my openness, my willingness to move past my social anxiety and get into my professional yeah. self so I'm willing to help people. And a lot of coaches mm-hmm. early in the profession they stay inside how they were conditioned socially. So it seems like, oh, that's kind of rude or an invasion of privacy or pushy to talk to somebody or offer to help somebody or something like that. But professionally, it is not rude. It is, if I were a physical therapist and I see my my neighbor limping as he goes out to rake his leaves. I might say, um, I, I, I noticed you're, you're limping. I haven't seen that in a while. Have you hurt yourself? And he says, no. Well, yeah, I was on the treadmill. And, and I say, well, you know, I'm a physical therapist. And uh, if you'd like, you come down to my clinic, and I'll take a look at that see what we can do about that. And if I'm a physical therapist or if I'm, anything like that I'm a voice let's say I'm a voice teacher and somebody says my daughter's trying out for the school musical and I say well you know I teach voice if I could be of assistance I'd I'd be happy to have her come over and sit at the piano and run through her numbers with her so it's that service it's that willingness to use your profession to serve people that that leads yeah. to clients and people are everywhere. My yeah. coach used to tell me, and it, it's just so. What stops me is confusing my social self, which produces social anxiety, with my professional self, which when I drop into who I am as a as a coach then I'm not afraid or embarrassed to say, you know, this is what I do for a living. I may be able to assist you with this. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if that was you. helpful. Yeah, it, it's very helpful. And, and I hear it actually is almost just letting go of all of your ego, so to speak, and just being intuitive, imaginative, almost, I imagine, like just almost at play, but you're in service. Yes. Um, I don't that's know, that's it, exactly. taking away, yeah. Yeah, and um, I really love that. I thank you for yeah. Yeah, it's being at play. This I'm not taking myself seri- seriously. Like get over yourself. Right. Be willing right. to be playful. Right. Be willing to have compassion for everyone, and mm-hmm. um, see if you can serve. Yeah, yeah. It's like a giving over. Wow, thank you so much. Really, I love the way you're sharing this. It's just so refreshing, frankly. Oh, um, you're welcome. It feels a lot more natural. Thank you. Good. All right. Thanks. There's a lot of hands up, so uh, this is great. Um, I'm going to bring uh, live now Marika. Marika, you're live. Hi, Joel. Hi, uh, Steve. Um, I love your work, and I love the books you. you write. Thank you. I do have a question, and this sits with me a lot, and probably my issue and not anybody else's, but what do you teach your coaches that 
a prosperous life is? Oh, I have no idea. I don't try to um, identify that for them. My, my, um, so prosperity is, is more, is having more than enough. In other words, not just barely making it. Like, I used to try to barely make it. So um, if my mortgage was $900, somebody would say, okay, I'd like to coach with you. I'd like to do four or five sessions. What would that cost? And I would say um, $900 because I'd want to pay my mortgage. Now, that was me just getting barely enough from coaching to to meet meet my bills and, and stay um, normal and active as a, as, as a member of society. So prosperity I see as having more than that. So there's money to give away to causes I, I care about and there's money to save. And, um, and there's a relaxed feeling around the money. So that's my definition of prosperity is that Money is no longer a source of fear, a source of worry or anxiety. It's just um, if I need more, I'll get more. It's just it's just there now. It's just like if we need more bottled water, we'll bring more in. If we need more money, we'll bring it in. But it's not a source of worry. So that's my feeling of prosperity. And for for some people, um, they they that means a lot to them. Like there's one one or two coaches who wanted to make seven figures a year, and that meant a lot to them. They wanted to make a million dollars a year, and some wanted to make two hundred thousand a year. So it's different for everybody, but that's basically what we mean by prosperity: more than enough money, so that money is no longer in the way of you thriving and um, becoming as good a coach as you can be. Mm. Thank you. I feel like a lot of coaches who look toward that prosperity is the numbers they're able to charge is something of importance to them in a way that doesn't always sit right with me. But um, thank you. I think that was a great answer. Thanks. Yeah, and and I I share your... um, your aversion, or if you have it, or whatever it is, to coaches thinking if I charge a hundred thousand, or if I charge fifty thousand, it means something good and important about me, and etc. I know coaches who don't charge a great deal, but make enough money for themselves that they're happy. And um, there, there's kind of a myth in the entrepreneurial world, or the world of having your own business, that if you can make more, you should make more, always. If there's a way to make more, you should be making more. Like, a lot of times people tell me, you could be charging more for this coaching program or this school. You could be charging more. And and I say, I, I think you're right, but so what? W- what if I'm happy with what I'm charging, and what if I'm happy with my life, why should I keep pushing the envelope just because I could? And I think that's kind of a myth. The problem with that, if I buy into that, then I'll never be satisfied. I'll always be looking for something I could charge more for or 
whether to keep changing my fees. I know some coaches who's they're so um, confused about what they should be charging that they're they're changing their fees every two or three months. It just becomes um, a nightmare for them. So anyway, that's not an answer, but that's just a kind of a reflection on that. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Okay. You want another one, Steve? Yeah, I love one. All right. Let's uh, see who's up next. Robbie, you're live, Robbie. Hi, Steve. Um, first of all, like everyone else, or like the other two questioners, I really love your work. I think it's made a real difference to my coaching business already uh, and to lots of people. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Um, thank you for saying that. No, it's, it's 100% true. And um, definitely, I've, I've been trying to put into practice the selling the experience, not the content bit. And I definitely enjoy my enrollment process more. But I wondered if you could maybe talk a bit about what the kind of best place to go in those conversations is I'm, and what the kind of, yeah, how you or how you train people to go about that particular first conversation. Okay. So um, I really want to invite the person um, to feel safe and relaxed enough to just open up and talk about their life and what are the challenges right now and um, and what are, the, what are the opportunities and challenges? And so every person is so different conversationally. However, that works for you inside your own comfort zones. There's an, I always like um, identifying what I think are myths out there in the coaching profession. And one of the myths I see is that uh, you have to leave your comfort zone continuously. In other words, you're not going to grow as a coach if you if you don't do what makes you really uncomfortable and what really scares you. And I don't agree with that. I believe that you can stay inside your comfort zone as long as you're doing the, the wise and good things that need to be done throughout the day. And that comfort zone will grow by itself. You don't have to go outside and do all these things that scare you. So I think the key thing where I go with a client, what you're asking or a prospect, is I go with whatever relaxes them into um, being willing to open up with me to tell me what life is about and what are the challenges right now for you, what's going on with you. And, and, and I, however I need to do that, whatever is comfortable for me, I might share some story about myself real quickly that, that has them see that I'm not trying to make a big impression, that I'm human like they are. And, uh, but then my natural curiosity, I'll let that kick in, and I ask, what's your, what, what, what's going on in your world? What's your life like? And are there any challenges in that for you? And any way I phrase that, everybody has challenges. Everybody has stuff they're up against, and so they start to describe it. And then from there, I talk about uh, what what has worked for you. What have you tried? And uh, even when I go in and coach a business person who owns
runs a business that I don't know anything about, that doesn't matter. I don't have to be an expert in that field to be a great coach for him. So he might say, I'm looking for a coach. I want to grow this business. And I don't have I can say, well, let's just sit down. And so you want to grow the business. Why do you think it, it's not growing right now? And what do you think it would take to grow it? And what's in the way of you just doing that? And so all these questions, I could have a hundred more, but they're, they don't have anything to do with me knowing anything about that business. They're, they're questions that open people up and are curious about their world and their life and what's worked so far, what doesn't work, and somebody says, I'm stuck. Why do you think that is? What do you think other people do who aren't stuck? What are you imagining that they're doing? People in business like yours that are succeeding, what do you think they're doing? And and then I can find out so much about what that client's beliefs are and that we just keep going. I had a client who um, he said, I'm thinking about having a, hiring a coach. And I say, so so what, what had you think that? What, what brought that up with you? And because I, I want to, the curiosity, gentle curiosity, not confrontational so much, but just, well, how did that come about? Well, you know, I, I'm having a problem finishing things. Well, then I say, well, tell, tell, talk more about that. What do you mean? Well, I never finish anything. And so, so I, I, I now know that he has a belief he never finishes anything. And so first, so I want to find out if that belief is true or not. So I just keep asking questions about, did you finish high school? Oh, yeah. Did you finish this? Okay. So you finish a lot of things. But you walk around believing that you never finished anything. That's interesting. And then he starts laughing and says, wow, I never thought of it that way. So already I'm in a coaching session with him. But I could just be sitting on a bus bench with him asking one question after another. But it's a coaching session. If you know how to coach, if you know how to challenge limiting beliefs with a gentle question about how true they really are, uh, that things just get better and better for that person. So I don't have a place I, I try to take them. I, I just, my only objective when I meet a prospect is to find out more about that person, to understand what their challenges are, and to understand what they believe about those challenges. That's where I want to go and just keep just keep going and going with that. And then after a while, when, when there's a real sense that the two of us are getting along and, and, and that person seems really relaxed and open, real, feels really safe to share what's going on, then, um, then I might say, uh, are you open to me coaching you on that? Or if I, if you were a client of mine, I would, I would say a few things right now, but I, I don't want to if you, if you wouldn't want me to. And nine times out of ten, they say, oh, please do, yeah, I'd love to see what you see. So 
after the after initial questioning and curiosity and identifying the challenges and then the beliefs around the challenge, uh, then I might go into some real gentle coaching around it. It doesn't have to be good coaching. It doesn't have to be accurate either. That That's another falsehood that coaches come into is I need to really appear as if I know my stuff and that I get it right and I can see through people and understand them better than they understand themselves. No. I could be wrong, and but it would still be a good thing to ask, still be a good thing to talk about. I'm willing to be wrong. Let's just take a look at this. So I don't know if that's a really good answer, Robbie. You tell me. What what are you thinking right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, it's great. I'm thinking two things. One is that I have really, I just, I relaxed around those conversations again. It's great to hear the kind of curiosity that you're just letting go in those conversations, and that feels kind of, along the lines of what I'm doing, and I can see some ways I could push into that. But the, the other thing that comes up is, how do you, in the end, how do you talk about what the, coaching look, what the coaching engagement might look like and the money? How do you get there from this lovely curiosity? Okay. And, and yeah, coaching? yeah. So, so the, the first thing is, um, do they already know I'm a coach and I do this for a living, and are they in this conversation because there's a possibility for uh, us working together? Or is it someone I just met uh, sitting on a bus bench waiting for a bus? Those are two different situations. If it's the situation where someone knows I'm a coach and they are interested in talking to me about coaching and the possibility of coaching and they're not they're not really committed to hiring a coach but they they want to talk about it further then um I will have that conversation go on for as long as I feel it's needed to really help that person because I want to give them ex- an experience of one person helping another and what it feels like to to really be helped by talking to another person about your challenge. If if that has occurred, and, and I have a good sense that this person has really gotten benefit, and whether that takes one hour or it takes us booking another session for another hour, um, or, or whether however long that, that takes, um, at the end of that second hour, let's say it's two hours, uh, I might say, um, well, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Are we complete? Because when I ask that question, if I say, I've enjoyed talking to you, are we complete? Is there anything we didn't cover or anything um, I can answer that you'd like to know? And if the the person has received great benefit, they don't want it to be complete. So... Almost always, they will say, um, "Well, um, how do how would I work with you, or how do you work, or tell me what you charge," and they will say it. And one of the great myths in coaching is that I have to bring that up myself. I have to propose. I have to be the one out there telemarketing and selling myself. The only problem with that approach is. The coaches I know who keep trying that, they have a very low conversion 
rate. I mean, they, they, they fill their day with unsuccessful sales calls. And that's, and that's why they don't really enjoy their profession at all. And so I don't, I don't have sales calls. I, I help people. I have a day of serving people. And I ask them if they're complete. And if they say, um, how, does this, how does this work if I want to work with you? I say, well, let me, I'll tell you how people work with me. They pay me this amount, and then we have um, 10 sessions. And those sessions usually occur over a five-month period, and, um, and then they, they have unlimited email between or However I set that up, I, I talk about how people work with me. And then they say, oh, well, um, I, boy, that's something I really like to do, and let me talk to my wife. And, and I say, well, you know, it's not something I'm pushing on you, so just take, if it's something you would like to do, um, we can talk about that in the future. And so, and, and I don't want to try to close or persuade this person because that pushes people away. Does that sound unreasonable? To me, no, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah. And so what if there's someone who doesn't know you're a coach? Oh, sorry, I've already asked two questions. Maybe that's enough. That's uh, all right. Pass on to somebody else. Yeah. No, you can ask, uh, you can ask uh, that one. The, one. the one who doesn't know I'm a coach, right? Yeah, so if somebody doesn't know I'm a coach, I meet them at, at some open-ended business meeting and we're talking, and, uh, you know, I just want to find out about them. And so if you're a coach, you're going to ask really good questions of people. That's your job. That's what you learn how to do. So you meet someone, let's say, at a business breakfast, and they say, you, you say, uh, how are you doing, and hey, what, what do you know about our speaker, and and then they start talking about themselves, and uh, you ask more questions, and 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 then they say to you, um, "How about you? Are you you work for anybody local?" And you say, "You know, I'm in business for myself, and I'm a coach. I do life coaching, business coaching, things like that." And they say, "Oh, okay." Uh, and, and if they want to ask more about that, they can. If they don't, I immediately go back into their world and talk more about them. So um, those kinds of, the more curious I am, the more I show up empty, not trying to sell myself or promote myself, but trying to find out about other people, I will more likely get clients. I used to go to these business events and I would stress out over how do I talk about myself how do I say what what I do how do I promote myself and it was a disaster I mean I was nervous and I I didn't uh, people were uncomfortable around me and then I changed it and, and um I I would go to events and ask myself uh I wonder how much I can learn today from people. I wonder how much I'll find out about other people. And when I would do that, people would say, Give me, hey, uh, 
give me your card, or hey, I, I might be interested in some of that coaching stuff. But they were interested not because of what I said about coaching. They were interested because of the questions I asked them. And that's uh, that's the key to to coaching and enrollment is is what I'm willing to find out about the other person and how much I'm willing to understand and whether I'm willing to make a really heart-to-heart connection with another human being versus trying to manipulate and sell somebody coaching. Is that that okay with you, Robbie? Yeah, it's great. It's a breath of, breath of fresh air, so thank you so much. Uh, and You're welcome. And everyone for, for uh, listening while I ask several questions. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Great questions. Joel, do we have anybody else? Yeah, we do. We certainly do. Um, let me see. I'm going to bring um, let me see. Rita. You are live, Rita. Hi. Hi. Hi, really, really interesting and really valuable session. Um, actually, the previous caller kind of answered my question. My question was around how do you transition from uh, having the um, more or coming from more uh, social uh, interaction and showing your interest into the, uh, how the person is and what their struggles are and then introducing that, well, hey, actually, I'm a coach. Would you like to work with me? Or... So that, that my question would have been around that transitioning, but you partly answered that with your pre, with the previous call. Right. Yeah, that's it. And you know, I if you if if you here's something that that people in our culture don't develop. If people were willing to develop an amazing skill of listening, where their listening was deeper and more open than what uh, what people ever experienced in their lives they would want to they would be begging you to tell them what you do for a living and and how they could get more of it but we don't do that we we um we're sitting there rather than listening and i count myself in this i was in this big time i'm sitting there um formulating what i'm going to say next yeah. And thinking about how, what kind of an impression I'm making and what that person's thinking of me. And thinking, what should I say next um, that has them um, be impressed by me? And, and because I'm thinking of that, I don't, I'm not really listening. I, and, and because I'm not really listening, that person is not feeling a great amount of, love and compassion from me at all and uh, when they do feel that it's extraordinary and they um, but but that's the ultimate skill of a coach anyway so that's not some little sales trick to go out and try it really is where I'm going to be when I'm when they are my client anyway is I'm going to be open and I'm going to be listening between the lines of what they're saying. I'm going to be listening for what's behind what they're saying. 
mm-hmm. and lis- listening in ways that um, I'm not trying to formulate a, an impressive answer. I may have no answer to what they say. But if I understand and hear them better than anyone's ever heard them, um, that that's valuable to people. People will pay for that experience. Yeah, yeah. So basically just really true to being present in the interaction. That's it. That's really it. And that's yeah. so valuable for people. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, there's still there's still hands up. I don't know if you want to take more questions. Uh, I would love or, to. What would you like me to do, Joel? You're, you're, you, you are the director. I'm the director. Excellent. I love having that power. Um, let's take another question for sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring um, Joanna live. Joanna? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Um, Steve, I would like like summarize as I'm trying to <laughs> understand uh, like the essence of what you are saying. And do I understand well that the the first thing that we should do uh, is like change our mindset about selling our uh, services into like serving people? So uh, this is like uh, I'm trying to to make sure whether it is this. And if yes, then what is what is more except this fact of changing the system of beliefs? Well. Um... So it's not a should so much. It's it's um, what it's what seems to work best, and are you willing to experiment with it? But let's say, let's say you're already um, doing the opposite of what I've recommended, and you're already um, just talking about what you do as a coach and talk about yourself and then tell people I think you should hire me and here's what it costs and are you willing and and are you ready to hire me and will you pay me and if that works for you and you end up with with clients and uh, I'm all in favor of that I I'm in favor of anything that works for you Um, the people that that I try to help are people who say to me I have tried this and I have tried that and I've tried promoting myself and branding myself and doing all these things and I, I still can't get clients. And um, and so I say, then, are you willing to try serving instead of selling? Are you willing to um, explore? And if the answer is yes, then what that looks like is I wake up in the morning and I see my day as being a day of service instead of a day of selling. And I look for who I can serve. And the ultimate service is for someone to work with me on a paid basis professionally. That's the best way I can serve anybody is for them to hire me as their coach and make that commitment. Now, I'll make this point um, it's really important that coaches realize, as far as prosperity goes, that when someone pays you, it has a benefit to them, not just to you. 
So I don't want to be self-conscious about if you pay me, that only benefits me. And so that's why I'm nervous about um, the payment part. If, if you pay me, it benefits you because you're now committed to this project that we're going to do together. And you're showing up now with a higher level of consciousness and a higher level of willingness to change and live life differently and see life differently because you've made a you've made a real commitment. You've made a financial investment in this, in your own transformation. And people who make an investment like that and make a commitment like that they come with greater willingness and open-mindedness than people who do not make the investment and, uh, or who pay very little. The less people pay, the more they cancel their sessions and the less seriously or the less sincere they are about doing the work. So the payment factor is an important part for the client as well as the coach. I don't know if I answered the second part of your question. You can ask it again if you yeah. like. Yeah, thank you. Can I have another question from completely sure. different part? Um, it was said that you work with people all over the world. So I wonder whether do you have any experiences with uh, people who are trying to build their business from different cultures than American, like Eastern Europe, for example, where coaching is pretty fresh, um, occupation like in the US I believe it is since 20 years like in Poland it is popular since 10 years so it makes a difference yes I have I've had um, I have worked with people in different cultures where coaching is uh, a newer idea and not, not as accepted um, as it is other places and um, Absolutely, but the, the principles are the same because even if you're in a place where people get a lot of coaching, like Los Angeles, where there's lots of coaches and people get coaching for everything, and um, still, even there, if I talk to somebody there, this whole idea is fresh and new for them and perplexing and confusing because they have no idea what coaching with me would be like because every coach is so different so we have to start all over everywhere so if i'm in poland or somewhere else someone might not even know what coaching is yep mm -hmm. I'm, i might give it a name that um that they can understand better i might say i'm a consultant or a a counselor or a life counselor or something where they get the idea I want to make it easy for them to understand what this is it's not exactly like psychology I'm not a psychiatrist coach psychology is usually about the past if you old world psychology traditional psychology is about your past and healing past wounds that you might be carrying forward, healing the past, something's wrong with you, we'll try to fix it. Coaching is about creating the future. Starting in the present moment, what kind of future? I don't care about your past. What future would you like to create? Starting right now, and that's that sets coaching apart. So 
when you're in a different culture that doesn't have as much of a history of coaching, you you get to talk a little more about what it is and why why people like it. What really helps coaches, and it's they miss this a lot, is to is to have your own coach and tell people your experience. Coach sometimes coaches are afraid to say that they have a coach because they might they might think it 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 makes them look like there's something wrong with them. But that's the that's the old paradigm of psychiatry and psychology where it's all about mental illness and healing and something's wrong with you and you're broken, we're going to try to fix you. Coaching is about creativity. It's about creating. What kind of unlimited uh, future would you like to create? And, um, and so it's fun to talk about what that is and it's really good to talk about what my coach has helped me with and why I love coaching and why I get coaching. And so if I can talk about it myself, someone who doesn't have any reference for coaching, they can start to understand it. It's really helpful for coaches to talk about how coaching has benefited them. And far from making people think, oh, well, if you need a coach, that must mean you're defective or deficient, they they realize that it it must really work if if you have one too you must really believe in this if if you are paying for this yourself and um so it really helps thank you very much all right great thank you joanna um so there are there are still a couple of hands up i mean um I'm not sure where else we would go, Steve. You've probably got a lot of stuff you could talk about, or we could just, you know, totally respond to the the questions people have. You know, Joel, I, th- I think that um, the questions are leading us to where I would have talked if I had just had 90 minutes to talk. So I love the questions. Yeah. I would very much Great. like to keep keep going with those. All right, that's perfect. Let's go with um, Lyon then. I think it's Lyon or Lyon. Uh, you've had your hand up for a while and you're live. Hi. Uh, thank you, Joel. Thank you, Steve, for this amazing session. Um, I'm a new coach, and I just love uh, the whole concept of selling the experience, and there's a lot of ease and less ego. And I, I notice there's a lot of confidence here that comes with showing a potential prospect client what is the benefit of coaching and confidence in yourself. Uh, I still struggle with that a bit. So do you have any tips for someone who's starting new and still really has some, you know, inner critic with their new new career in the field of yes. coaching? Well, um, yeah. And so, you know, I don't, so there's good news here. I don't. I don't really um, need. Con- it's not really about me so much. It's about what happens when the two of us sit down and talk to each other. It's it's that thing that happens between us that, that is is what they're going to pay for or not pay for. 
it's not exactly that they're going to pay for my skill or me. They're going to pay for the experience itself. And, um, and so if someone says, um, well, how good are you if you're, you, you're new to coaching? And I say, um, well, yes, I am. And um, I'm not new to what's behind coaching because I've always loved um, human psychology and philosophy, and I've always enjoyed working with people, so I've got a lot of that behind me. But to be a professional coach, I am, I am new. And, and if the person says, well, um, I don't know if you can help me, what I want to say is I don't either, and I don't, I don't need confidence. I, need, I only need a willingness to explore. So, um, so I, I can say, you know, I, I don't know whether um, this would help you or not. And, and so why don't we find out, and let's have a talk. And so we talk, and you know it's it's even better if you don't know, if you're not trying to show confidence, but you're you're open, and you have a an openness to finding out, and to being okay with not knowing. So w- when people approach me for coaching, I don't know if I can help them. I really don't. And I'm okay with not knowing because if, if I'm in that empty place where I don't know if I can help you, let's talk. I'm deeply curious. Then, um, then I'm wide open and I'm not trying to prove that I can help you because I haven't told you I can help you. And I'm not, I haven't promised I could help you. And there's been no implicit promise. I might say I have helped others. There have been some others that I have helped. So there's a chance I could help you, but I don't know. Uh, I've I've had um, people approach me, and uh, I didn't know if I could help them or not, and I just told them that. I don't know if I can help. Let's talk. And, And the way I can find out whether I can help is you'll tell me. You will let me know whether our time together is worth it to you. I don't have to, um, I don't even really have to worry about that. So a lot of times coaches tell me that their biggest issue, their biggest problem is worthiness. Like they, they don't feel worthy enough to be a coach yet, or they don't, they don't know if they're worthy of prosperity. And, I like to invite that coach to stop thinking of worthiness because you'll never, you never, worthiness, you never know. There's no one can tell you whether you're worthy of anything. That's just so arbitrary. Instead, ask yourself, am I useful? Not am I worthy. Am I useful? Can I be useful to this person or not? And if I can, uh, that would be great. But I don't know. And, um, Somebody would, somebody would say, oh, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to um, make a million dollars at this business. Can, can you help me? Can, do you think I can do that? And I say, how, how would I know if you could do that? 
I I mean I barely I I don't know if you can do that. And um, can you help me put my relationship back together with my daughter? I don't know. I'm not sure. What? Tell me what's going on with her. So this idea that I that I I have to. I have to be confident is a, a roadblock. It's something. It's an obstacle that I don't need to put between myself and another human being. I can just be willing to explore. And if I'm willing to show up with kindness and compassion for that person, um, and then we'll see if my coaching skill can help them. Then, then I can't go wrong. There's, there's no mistake that can be made. There's no failure that can occur. Only good things can come from that. Wow. So, so tell me, That's tell so me what you're hearing and what I'm saying. Is there yeah. anything? I feel uh, like a load of pressure off my shoulders was just removed right now because that was something that I was holding very close to my my future that I need to be very confident to approach people and coach people. So just hearing these words just gave me a boost of confidence, actually. Sure. It's a deeper confidence that I'm okay with, with my desire to help someone is all I ever need. I don't have to have confidence that I can help them. Uh, that that's a deeper confidence that um, this artificial artificial ego confidence, you know, like swagger or chutzpah or arrogance. It borders on arrogance. Hey, I'm good. I'm really good. That 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 won't help me connect with another person. That will work against me. Absolutely. And. Um, and people love, um, they love when another person doesn't know. And when the other person is absolutely um, comfortable with not knowing. And because it just, it has everything now be innocent and open and um, let's just explore together, let's find out. And, and it's funny too, because um, there would be, I don't care how new you are, there is someone that, that you could help more than I could help them that would feel more connected to you, that would trust you more, that would enjoy your communication style more than mine. And so that wouldn't mean to me that you're a better coach. It would just mean um, that they're, they're choosing to work with you and that, and that it turns out talking to you helps them. And it turns out talking to me has not helped them. And, uh, and I just move on because I, I have 7 billion people waiting. Move on to the next one. Thank you. You're welcome. That was a great question. Yeah, lovely. And beautiful comment you just made there about just moving on. I love that. Um, Carrie, you've got your hand up in your life. Hello. Um, thank you so much. I really am loving this. And 
I'm curious as to your thoughts of charging or not for that first service conversation. I've experimented with both, and I'm, I'm just, I, I love your entire approach. Really curious about the idea of the client making an, an investment in that session versus let's talk and we'll talk as long as it takes, and then we won't even talk about money until that happens. You know, um, it's different for every coach, and so I would want you to do what works for you and what feels right for you. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with someone saying, I know you're a coach, and I'd like to pay you to do a session with me so I can find out more about what it's like to coach. And you say, sure, um, send me the money. You could do that. Um, I I don't do that myself um, most of the time. I don't. I, I Somebody says... I'm interested, I wonder what it's like to work with you, and I say, well, let's just talk. Let's just see what's going on with you. So I don't charge for that. Let's set time aside and let's talk, and then we talk, and um, I don't charge for that. But that doesn't mean because I don't do it that that's the very definition of what's the right thing to do. It's not. It, that works for me. Um, I, I'm all in favor if if... If you're getting paid for that first session and people are moving on and, and now purchasing larger, lar more, um, more committed, longer programs with you after that first session, I'm all in favor of it. And if it doesn't work or if, if it's stopping some people from having an experience of you, then, then I would take a look at that because I would rather... If I have a free hour, I'd much rather talk to someone who doesn't hire me for an hour than, than sit in front of my computer for an hour wondering who to talk to or wondering how to make this coaching thing work. Okay, thank you so much for that. Yeah, I wondered if, if perhaps you thought there was something lost. In, in actually having the client make an investment, assuming that you're attract, you know, you're you're getting people in, and that those people are going on to work with you. Is there still something sort of lost? And it sounds like what you're saying is, it's more just about getting into that conversation, no matter how that happens. Right, right, right. If it works, do it. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, Joel, um, do we I have time another, for another question? Yeah, we do. And I want to say there are no hands up right now. So I imagine oh. somebody is sitting there with a question and not raising their hand. So now is a great time to, to raise your virtual hand. So there we go. Uh, let me see where it is. Uh, Sheila, you're live. Hi, thanks very much. Hi, Steve. Hi, Sheila. Hi, uh, I'm also uh, a new coach, and I've been. I really loved your your comments about the inner critic uh, because that's one of my challenges. And another thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, I've heard a lot of coaches say that you have to kind of have a niche, you know. And quite often, I have conversations with people. And I tell them, oh, you know, I, I've trained to be a coach. And they ask, oh, well, what do you coach in? And I say, well, you know, it can be anything. And they kind of lose a bit of interest at that point. Uh, maybe I'm just not 
Well, obviously, I'm not selling it, but I, um, I mean, one thing, I mean, I do have an idea myself about a particular area that I might choose as a, you know, a specific area to coach in, which is, is I guess it's around kind of gender balance in the workplace, mm-hmm. um, to coach both men and women, to, I suppose, to have more open conversations and to kind of have more inclusive workplaces and but I'd be interested to know just what you think about the whole idea of having a niche um, as opposed to just, you know, let's have a conversation and I can coach anything. Well, you know, um, I've, it has not been my experience over the years that having a niche is necessary. Now, there are some coaches who specialize that I know who are very good, um, but it's, it's not from choosing a niche. It's from working in a field they love. So let's say they just started getting started there. Like if you really enjoy that category and you really want to help people and you help a few people with that issue, um, then, then you can develop a, a kind of reputation and track record helping people with that issue and that, that specialty, and it can be useful. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up working with people early on in nonprofit organizations and helping people raise money. It wasn't a niche I chose. It was, uh, it's just where I first started working, and then other people in that field heard about it. So I didn't deny that. I didn't say that's not a it's not a specialty. When people asked, I said yes. I've done a lot of work in that field, but I but I didn't restrict myself. The problem with artificially finding a niche or choosing a niche is it can be very restrictive and it can keep you from helping people who don't fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It is not necessary, it's not even a good idea to have a niche if if none occurs to you. If you'd like to just be a coach and coach people, like I used to say, my my niche is that I'm a life coach. And so if you if you are alive, you fit my niche. You you are in my category. So if you have a life, that fits my niche. And that covered a lot of people. It covered all living people. <laughs> yeah. And so, so this is this ends up being your choice. But a lot of times, people say you have to have a niche, you have to brand yourself, you have to have this, you have to have that. And um, I have found none of those things to be true. And all you have to do is have conversations. Mm-hmm. And. Um, that's really it. And people stay out of conversations because they haven't found their niche yet, or they they stay out of conversations because they haven't built their website yet, or their business cards aren't printed yet. So I can't have a conversation with you. Um, if if that niche calls to you, by all means, help people in that area. But you mm-hmm. don't have to restrict yourself to that. Yeah. Yeah. And if somebody says, what do you coach people in? I say, um, I coach people in 
whatever is challenging them at the time or whatever opportunity is not being realized. That's what I work mm-hmm. with. And um, that's a good enough answer for me. It doesn't have to be, because otherwise, let's say you only coach ballet dancers and you meet someone on an airplane and they're intrigued and they really think you could help them and they're ready to pay you. And, and you say, well, I have to ask you, do are you a ballet dancer? And they say, no. And you say, well, then I can't help you. And it's ridiculous. But it's one of those myths that comes out of coaching that, that is taught. It's actually taught in a lot of the certification programs. And it's done so innocently because people have seen how some people have specialized in coaching certain niches so they falsely conclude that means you have to do it but but almost all the coaches that i know who are successful that they i can send anybody to them refer anybody to them and they would coach them mm-hmm. okay yep it makes sense okay all thank, right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're quite welcome. Thank you for I, your question. I, I think I think the most important is is to, is to work in an area you love. I think that that's, that's uh, it. You're right. <laughs> you are right. That's it. Joel, right. it looks like Thanks. we yeah. might have run to the yeah. end of our time, have we? That's that's correct. Yeah, I was just wondering if there was any closing comments you wanted to make before uh, before I kind of round us off. You know, I I. Um, I admire everyone who's on this program listening to me and the other coaches. A lot of times coaches face challenges from family members and friends. And why do you have to sign up for another program? Why do you have to go pay for a weekend with somebody? Or why do you have to take an online course and spend your money? Well, they don't challenge lawyers for paying for law school. And they don't challenge doctors for going through medical school. They don't challenge other professions. So there's this um, idea that coaching ought to be kind of like multi-level marketing. We'll just all meet in somebody's living room and uh, see if we can make money. And, and it is very professional profession, deceptively so. And we have to pay for our own education, however we do that. You, you're self-educated, and you go find it where you can. So I really admire everyone who's on this program, and uh, I appreciate you, Joel, for what you do to make it possible. Hi, Joel here again. Just a quick one, a couple of things. Keep an eye on our website. We have online trainings that we launch every year, and they're getting amazing feedback from participants so you can find those on our website and also you know if you've enjoyed this podcast and the others i just invite you to share it i I would be so grateful about that you can either send people you know a link to it or you could just go on the individual podcast page and click on the share button there i would love that i want to wish you a wonderful week and we'll be back very soon talking to more master coaches, thought leaders, experts in this field about what it takes to be an extraordinary coach.